Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategies. Each week, I'm gonna share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. All right, today we're gonna talk about Bitcoin. I can't believe I'm 26 whatever episodes in and I haven't talked about Bitcoin and the blockchain. So we're gonna do a little bit of a blockchain for dummies uh, to start off with. And trust me, uh, I'm not that much further ahead of my understanding of the blockchain and cryptocurrency than you guys. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And essentially, I I guess what that means, it took me a long time to figure that out, what that meant. <laughs> you just need to know a little bit more than who your audience is. And uh, all of a sudden, you're the king and you're the expert. We are headed on a five-day Gibson family adventure tomorrow morning. Super excited to go. Uh, all of our trips got canceled this summer. So we decided to finally take the opportunity to head up to Northern Michigan. Everybody says how beautiful it is. We've lived in Michigan for, I've been here for 20 years or so, maybe more still yet. Haven't taken a trip up North in the summer to really um, kind of see all the, the cool things that are up there. So we're going to hit the Michigan adventure which is going to be like kind of like a mini Cedar Point. Then we're going to go to the Sleeping Bear Dunes. I guess it's like some super huge sand dunes like you can run up and down or probably won't do that. I'll just look at them. And then we're going to go to Boyne Mountain where we go skiing, but we're actually going to go mountain biking. The kids are stoked to do that. Just want everybody to come out unscathed if possible for that. And then we're going to head up to Mackinac City Bridge, where we're going to take the bridge across, you know, that cool little experience. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but something really uh, touristy to do in Michigan and take the ferry across to Mackinac Island. So it should be super fun. I mean, I mean, sure that the kids, the two boys are going to get along great the entire time. They're just two little best friends that love to share with each other and they never punch or argue or anything. So it's going to be great. And, you know, like in a car in a hotel with them for five straight days. <laughs> oh, God. Say a prayer for me. I'm going to need a lot of them. Should be fun. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind it that much. You know, like the whole, uh, it's just, I'm just in, embracing the moment. This, this stage is going to go so fast. So we're just trying to enjoy every moment, embrace the good and the bad. And, it's going to be just a matter of time before they're off going to college and the house is going to be completely quiet and I'm going to be bored and I'm going to be missing them completely annoying me. So anyways, um, let's get into the blockchain. I wanted to give you guys a little education on what the blockchain really is in case you didn't, you still trying to wrap your head around it. You probably do know two things about it. First, you know, it's potentially the next big, you know, big thing and that you should have somehow got involved with it before you you should have gotten involved with it like a few years ago, but like most of us, you don't have 2020 hindsight vision, but you think maybe I should get involved with this before I miss out. Second, 
you really wish you understood how it works. It becomes a lot easier to pull the trigger and trade your hard in cash in for an alternative investment like crypto when you have some clarity. So I think, think a lot of people aren't pulling the trigger because they simply just don't understand it. And anytime there's a lack of clarity, that's the main reason why people don't take action. Um, I think laziness is probably number one, but this is definitely a close second. I'm going to break this down with a couple analogies. This is the best that I heard to get my kind of wrap my not so super intellectual brain around it. As for its definition, okay, blockchain is a public digital ledger that's used to record transactions across many decentralized in what's called a peer-to-peer network. And then these are where transactions are added to a block. So let's go on to the analogies and skip the definition. The first analogy is something that you guys are going to definitely understand. Google Docs, okay? Google Docs, obviously a lot of you use this. So when you work with, say, Microsoft Word or Excel or um, Keynote on the Mac, and working on a document requires lots of back and forth. So if you're working with a team in a collaboration, Somebody works on a document and then the other person has to wait for the author to send the file back, email it typically before the recipient can make edits or add the comments. So then you're making a change and then adding an addition or a comment and then emailing it back to your team. Then they make their changes and email back to you and so on and so forth and becomes a real pain in the ass. The only way around this is to look over the author's, whoever's writing on it, their shoulder, which wouldn't work so well as you can imagine. However, with Google Docs, you and everyone else who has the rights to the documents have been that have been shared with can access the file and collaborate in real time. So everyone can access it and view it, even if you're on different computers in completely different parts of the country or the world even. And what's seen and entered cannot be denied by anyone. And one person can't make a change without everyone else seeing the change. So that, my friends, is how blockchain works. Of course, instead of it being a shared document, it's a shared ledger, more like, say, Microsoft Excel being shared, you know, amongst other people where everybody has access to that document. Okay. The analogy I like best that really helped me understand it was involved people living in a fictional village. And now this isn't so fictional actually, because this actually happened several hundred years ago on a remote Island country, the villagers comprised of about 10 families would farm hunt and gather their goods and they would trade them with each other. They trusted each other quite well. If the farmer didn't have any rice to trade for the hunter's meat, the hunter would you know, let it slide and they'd wait for the next rice harvest. But the villagers, they started making too many promises and it got a lot more difficult to keep track of these promises. So the village appointed Ledger Man to the rescue. Oh man, it sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? Ledger Man. Oh man, like he's some type of superhero. So he would keep track of all the services exchanged among the people to keep things fair and honest. Now, it worked well for a while, and the villagers trusted Ledger Man. However, Ledger Man, with his newfound power, he started charging a small fee for his scorekeeping. And then, unfortunately, he started to accept bribes, and he went on to unfairly raise his prices. After much fighting and chaos, the villagers 
ousted ledger man. Get the fuck out, ledger man. You are a crook. Scrambling for solutions, they came up with the perfect replacement. Everyone would keep a ledger. They called it the smart ledger system. Okay, so here's how the smart ledger system works. This is just like crypto and the blockchain. Villagers from all the families would gather at the village square throughout the day. At these gatherings, they would trade their goods and everyone would keep track of every promise made in their own separate ledger. Okay. Once a week, each villager would read out one another's ledger to check for any discrepancies. If there were any, the villagers would all cross check every ledger and would choose the most commonly entered record as the correct one. Blockchain works exactly like the smart ledger system, except that the records are stored digitally. Okay. So banks, lenders, and institutions, though, that what happens is they use a centralized system that can be manipulated and kept away from the public, as we've seen in the Enron scandal and the Arthur Anderson accounting, shady bookkeeping that led to the company's demise. Centralized systems can be compromised, whereas a decentralized system it's very difficult for that. to. It can't happen in this case. Blockchain prevents that unless the system's hacked. Bitcoin has never been hacked. Blockchain isn't a device. It's not a machine. It's not a cryptocurrency even. It's a system, a method to keep track of information. Okay. So with that said, all cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, every cryptocurrency out there works on top of a blockchain platform. So... I hope this helps. Does this help you guys? This really helped me when I understood the smart ledger system and how Ledger Man became compromised, manipulated the system. This happens a lot in centralized systems today that we all take part in. The problem that we all have had since the beginning of time is that humans cannot be trusted. So we utilize these central third party intermediaries, like, for example, when you go to sell a house, you have a title company that is essentially a third party central authority that is helping to like speed up and make a transaction between two of you who are not trustworthy. Essentially, it's making sure that the transaction goes through um, without any errors and without any uh, manipulation. Okay. So the blockchain is completely disrupting a lot of these systems and third-party intermediaries like banks, real estate agents, these big investment financial firms. Blockchain's coming around and doing it faster, cheaper, more efficiently, and it's allowing us to, to transact with each other in a trustful manner, peer-to-peer. Okay, so now that you understand the basics about blockchain, then let's talk about Bitcoin. And did you miss out on Bitcoin specifically is the question. I'm going to answer this the way I answered this question that came up in my uh, Instagram story. Fuck no, you did it. You did not miss out. Okay. Bitcoin is still in its infancy. Now, right now, Bitcoin is trading like around, as I record this, I think it's at $39,000 per coin. Considering it was $3,500 in March of 2020, you, me, and pretty much 99.9% .9 missed out on that incredible run-up. 
Uh, however, if you take if we take some time to really understand Bitcoin, then you're going to realize we're still in the early innings of a nine inning game. Bitcoin is the only money, guys. You got to understand this. This is huge. It's the only money in the history of money that humans have used that satisfies all four of these rather important criteria. It's completely decentralized. So meaning that no one person or group of people control it. It's a peer-to-peer -peer payment system. So let's talk about decentralized. The US dollar in the year 2020 saw a 23% increase in its supply. How does, how the fuck does this happen? This is due to the Federal Reserve, the US government central bank that controls the money supply. So they have an unrestricted license to print money and there's no checks and balances. So when they print money, it's essentially, they call it quantitative easing in which the only thing it eases is the value of the dollars in your bank account. It's not like the US central bank is the only one to do it though. Throughout history and even today, every single fiat currency, which is a government, fiat means government uh, produced currency, has been through this hyper printing press at some stage. This is important to understand. It's why no fiat currency has ever survived. That's not being, you guys know me, I'm a positive, optimistic person. This is not doomsday, it's the reality. Fiat currency is government issued currency that is not backed by a physical commodity like gold or silver, but rather the government that issued it. They always, throughout the course of the last several thousand years, they will always eventually debase their currency because they need to do that in order to raise money. And that's how they tax us in addition to other taxes, but they're taxing us by producing more, by printing more money. Okay. S point two, Bitcoin has a fixed supply. There will be 24 million coins and there never will ever be more than that. So written into the original code that cannot be altered no matter how, many, how badly some powerful forces want to alter it is this finite number of Bitcoin. So our dollars obviously don't have a fixed supply, but let's take a look at the only store of value that has had a very limited supply, although not fixed which is gold. If we look at gold across the long timeline of history, it's the only store of value that's always held up. Gold has always held up in its store of value over multiple thousands of years. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty rare. Okay. Well, why? Because it's rare and because it's indestructible. Now, it can be lost or stolen, but it can't physically be destroyed. And because it's so rare, it's very hard to produce more gold. You know, only a small amount of new supply enters the global system per year. Less than 3% is mined per year, less than that even, and added to the current supply. So that keeps the value intact. You know, if all of a sudden a huge mine were to be discovered and increase the supply of gold in one year by 50%, then we'd have a huge drop in value of all gold. In fact, it would probably drop by about 50%. But that happened. That hasn't happened, and um, they don't think that that's even remotely possible that that would ever happen. 
Okay, the third value of Bitcoin, it is easily transferable. It can be paid instantly to anyone, anyone in the world within about 10 minutes, depending on how busy the the, the uh, blockchain kind of platform, the Bitcoin platform is, could take a little bit longer. However, thinking about this, let's compare it to gold. You know, gold is a great store of value. However, it is definitely not easily transferable. Paying anyone in gold is not only difficult because it must be physically transported and especially in large amounts, it's not easily divisible. You know, imagine paying someone with a bullion, like a large brick of gold, figuring out how to calculate the value and making an, you know, an exact payment is extremely complicated. Even like a small little coin, I have a little couple little coins of gold. I mean, even those have like, you know, $2,000 in value. So it's really hard to, to break it down into smaller amounts that can be used in commerce and to be traded. That's why I also have some silver because if the shit ever hits the fan, it's very unlikely that we're going to be transacting in gold. It's too difficult. Certainly dollars are easily transferable. You know, you can do a wire to somebody across the country, across the world, but however, they, the dollar has this big problem that we previously described, which is called the printing press. We got that. Now, point four on Bitcoin. It is completely safe and completely verifiable. The only way anyone can steal your Bitcoin is to have your private key in order to, for anyone to hack the system and send fraudulent Bitcoin. They would just have to have access to tens of thousands of computers or the nodes all at the exact same time. Wow. That's, that's impossible. That's, they'd have to have access to like 51% of the computers that are running the Bitcoin, mining the Bitcoin network, which would be, uh, that would be impossible to carry that type of heist out. So because Bitcoin satisfies all four of these points and the government is printing money on a massive scale never before seen in the history of our country, and not only retail investors, you know, the everyday investors like you and I, but major companies are now buying Bitcoin as a store of value. Apple is considering buying Bitcoin. Tesla bought a bunch. MicroStrategy has bought a ton and he's very public about it. And eventually central banks, if they haven't already, which it's very possible they already have, but they will have to, they will be forced into buying it because they don't want to be buying it later when it's super high. So will Bitcoin be volatile? Yes, you can absolutely bank on that. And you can buy it and watch it drop 30% the next day. That can absolutely happen. But if you hold on for the next five years, I mean, I just, guys, I don't see how you won't be up quite a bit in value. Let's just say you buy in at 50,000 or 40,000 where it is right now, then it drops down to 30,000 or even 25,000. Then in five years, it's up to 200,000 and you're up 300%, 400%. Would that be so bad? You're not going to care in five years from now that you had a short-term disruption and that you lost a bit of money. Could you have timed it better and bought it at 30K? Yeah, of course, but we don't, you know, we don't know. It's just very hard to time it and to buy in at the right, 
you know, pricing. We did just have a big correction. So I think now is a really great time to get involved. If you're, if you've considered or thought about it, then now is probably the best time because Bitcoin was at an all-time high at 64,000. It dropped down to 30,000. That's a 50% drop. That's the time you want to be buying in. Don't be buying in when it's like, you know, keeps moving up, moving up. Buy in when it goes sideways or when it drops. Your best bet is just keep adding it to your portfolio every month when your income rolls in. Trust the process and ignore the volatility. And I know that there's a lot of other crypto coins that are out there. There's a lot of altcoins out there. I do have a lot of them. But uh, the bulk of my portfolio, uh, over 50% of my crypto holdings are in Bitcoin and Ethereum, the top two, the big dogs. Those are the two where, yeah, they're probably not going to go up 10,000% from where they are right now, but these are going to go up. You know, you're, you're looking at 100, 200, 300, 400% returns over the next few years. There's nothing wrong with that kind of return, you guys. I would definitely say if you have not bought in and got any cryptocurrency exposure, then I think right now this is your, this is your like red, uh, like the red flag alert, the red code red alert. Come on, get in. Even if it's just a little bit, you guys need to add this to your portfolio because this is about, uh, you know, we're in the early innings and about five years from now, you know, you're going to definitely be, be like, oh man, I should have bought in. I should have gotten in back then. So don't feel like you've missed out. We're still in the very early stages of mass adoption. Only a very small percentage of people um, throughout the world own Bitcoin and own uh, cryptocurrency. So we're the best is yet to come. Here we go. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, Check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges, and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come. 